What's up, guys? Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. Steve Smee here, and Rick is in the house. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Steve? How you doing today, buddy? Oh, man. Any day above ground is a good day, my friend. Especially, uh, you know, during football season. Everything's <laughs> always happening. Football season, things are always changing. So, all right, guys, we have some awesome topics. Guys, we're going to talk about steroids. We're going to talk about working out we're gonna talk about all kinds of shit on this podcast guys six great topics let's start with the first one crazy back pumps on orals so first off this is a topic that comes up a lot a lot of guys mistake pumps with kidney problems they're like oh my kidneys hurt or they'll be like oh i got cramps guys pumps are part of using oral steroids and a lot of oral steroids I know I've got them on Dianabol, I've got them on Anavar, I've got them even on T-Bowl, all right? What they are basically, all the nutrients and blood flows into your muscles when you're working out or when you're doing any type of physical activity, and they cause this really tight pump where it feels like your muscle's about to explode. And I know when I was, um, I, I, I can tell me my experience, and, I'll, and Rick, you can tell you yours, but... I remember trying to run on D-ball and I made it about a mile before my calf was about five times normal size. No joke. It was about to explode out of my leg. I ran on Anavar and about a mile into it, my back pumps were so bad. I had to like just stop and lay down during the run. I've had workouts in the gym on trend where my muscles were so fucking full of blood and full of nutrients from pumps that my muscles felt like they were going to just pop out of it. It was, it's not a bad feeling, but at some point it gets counterproductive. Okay. So, you know, Rick, I'll let you chime in. Can you tell us, have you ever had pumps and what kind of tricks do you have up your sleeve to help with these? Yeah. Uh, pumps uh, on the muscles that you don't want to get pumps in from steroids are pretty common. Um, when I started doing Thai boxing, I discovered that my trend and Debo cycle was giving me terrible shin splints. That's that pain right along your tibia. And it, it was tough to jump rope to do anything. You know, at that time, this is many, many years ago, had to make some really serious decision about dosages, about the products I could and couldn't take. It's one of the times where I ended up uh, dropping some of the harsher stuff, some of the orals. I started messing more with uh, testosterone and and masterone and some of the some of the stuff that i felt wasn't as bad at giving you uh pumps all over your uh, your body so what did i do man just a lot of stretching a lot of massaging you could usually get in there yourself and, and massage it out hydration electrolytes and just a lot of stretching and just massaging stretching and massaging was probably the best thing that i found painful pumps from from the steroids and also just lowered in my dosages all, all over. I mean, if you if all you're doing is just weight training, a little bit of warm up, a little bit of cardio warm up, and just weight training some, you might you might never notice it. But if you're doing you know something more demanding, you know CrossFit, uh, Jiu Jitsu, uh, Thai boxing, you know uh, really running and, and going hard, you know running miles, you're gonna notice it. You're gonna notice something not right when you when you push your body for a prolonged time you're, you're going to notice it so it, it's um something to be mindful of yeah taurine is a really really good one if, if um 
we were talking about electrolytes, taurine is great for pumps and it will counteract the pumps quite heavily. And uh, it's actually one of the ingredients in Entugard, actually, uh, one of 44 ingredients in Entugard. And Entugard has plenty of taurine to, to help with that. Uh, back in the day before I, before I released Entugard, when I was a, a kid, I used to do a lot of coconut water and uh, bananas, potassium and stuff, all that helped. But yeah, definitely the taurine works great. It really does help. Yeah, guys, and, and it boils down to pumps aren't bad. They're not a bad thing. Um, they can be a beautiful thing. Um, I love pumps. When I'm doing drop sets, when I'm doing high reps, feeling that pump's fantastic. You leave the gym, your muscles are bulging out, everything. I love it. I love it on, you know, bicep day, on calf day, and a lot of those isolation um, lifts that you do. But at some point, yeah, they're counterproductive. Your lower back muscles, yeah, I mean, the ones on your lower back, the ones right along your shin that you get sometimes, I mean, those are, those tend to be pretty painful. Yeah, so if it gets to the point where it's counterproductive, guys, just do those things we mentioned. Lower the dose, even stop the, the oral entirely. Switch to something else. I can tell you EQ, Primo, those more mild steroids, they're not pump, pump producers like the orals are. And then um, you guys, you know, stack up on the N2 guide, the taurine, the electrolytes, and uh, drink some more water and, you know, take some uh, potassium, bananas, fruit. Those are, those are excellent for it. So those are things you can do, guys. But there's absolutely no reason for you to suffer if you're, if you're getting pumps and they're, they're ruining any type of your workout. There, there are things that you can do. So don't just sit there and be like, oh, I'm just going to accept the pumps. That's just part of it. No, no, no. You know, we work out, you know, uh, for a reason. We don't work out to, to make ourselves, you know, a disaster and make ourselves pain, pain, you know, painful all the time. So there's absolutely no reason. And, and be smart. If you're a runner – um, don't, don't take D bowl and go running. I mean, don't take T bowl. Don't take Anavar and go running. That makes absolutely no sense. All right, guys. So, uh, next cycle, next topic is, is also about steroids, trend ACE, hex and E. So let me kind of give you guys the facts about these esters. Um, I've used all three, uh, hex, which, which is about a 14 day half life. The E is listed as about eight to 10 days and the ACE is about two or three days. So really right off the bat, when you're running ACE, you want to dose it every other day. When you're running E, you want to dose it, you know, twice a week or maybe every five, six days. And if you're running a hex, you can get away with dosing it once a week or um, even once every 11 or 12 days. And that that's, that should be fine. Um, but is there really a difference between the three? I've used all three guys. At the end of the day, trend is a fucking potent steroid and all things being equal. Am I more advanced today from using hex on a particular cycle versus using E or using ACE? No, it, at the end of the day, trend is trend and it's extremely potent steroid. Now, maybe the guys back in the eighties the and early nineties that used the, the, the farm grade parabolin from France say, wow, you know, that was the best shit ever. But now you're, now you're comparing farmer grade gear to underground gear. So maybe that's the distinction that some of the old guys get. Plus they were younger at the time. That was 20, 30 years ago. And they're probably in their fifties or sixties today. And back then they were in their twenties and thirties. So you got to factor all that in. So, but you know, 
I'm not really sure. Rick, do you think that the, there's a difference between the three? No. I mean, I think, I think the acetate, I felt it made me a little bit smellier. That's one of my side effects with Trend. But besides that, no, not, not much. I mean, uh, just to throw something else in, uh, when you have a, a short ester like acetate, you know, it comprises a smaller part of the total weight of your uh, dosage. So, for example, if you have 100 mg of uh, trembolone acetate, uh, you got about 83 milligrams of trembolone in there. And the other 17 mg are going to be the acetate ester that the hormone, you know, carries around with it while it's in the carrier and your body has to first cleave off that ester before your body can utilize the trend. Now, when you have something like 100 milligrams of trembolone inathate, uh, that's going to be about 70 milligrams of trend because uh, that's a longer ester, so it comprises a higher percentage of, of the total weight. So yeah, I mean, uh, all of your uh, injectable hormones have uh, an ester chain. The shorter ester, you're getting a little bit more steroid in there for the total weight. The longer the ester, especially if you go something with like decanoate and, and uh, decanoate stuff, I mean, maybe as much as 40% of the weight could be all ester. And the ester doesn't grow muscle. The ester is, is cleaved off uh, and then your body, I think, utilizes it um, uh, like a fat. And then it, you know, it's just with the hormone that's left is the, the only thing that builds muscle. So I guess the only difference is you get a little bit more steroid from the shorter ester than you do from the, from the longer one. But nah, and just injection frequency. Obviously, the acetate, you, you have to inject every three days, EOD every day maybe. And that day, you can do it once a week and be fine. All right, guys, next topic is Sustanon. Let's talk a little bit about Sustanon 250. And this is one that we've, um, you know, not talked about on this, this uh, podcast very much. But Sustanon is actually a blend of four different testosterone esters while we're on that subject. 30 milligrams of propionate, 60 milligrams of phenylpropionate, 60 milligrams of isocaprioate, and 100 milligrams of decanate. And so it's mostly made up of long esters. The ISO, the ISO is usually a once a week injection. The decanate is usually a once every two week injection. The phenylpropionate is usually like once every four day injection. And the propionate is usually every day or every day. So very little short esters. It's actually the preferred testosterone replacement testosterone in Britain. And then it's cousin, which is Omnidrin, which is the exact same ester blend. It used to not be, but now it is, if you do the research on it, in Eastern Europe, they call it Omnidrin, and that's their TRT of choice. So in the United States, we don't use Omnidrin or Sustanin very often for TRT. In fact, doctors tend to prescribe mostly Sipinate and mostly Enanthate. So you know, we don't use that. My experience, Sustin was the first injectable I ever used. I can tell you, um, I loved it because it was um, farmer grade. It was organon and organon from Pakistan. That was the best shit I've ever used um, in terms of testosterone. And um, I got a lot of respect for it. And the thing is, the problem with Sustin that I hate is the post-injection pain. It does come a little pain. 
sipping and anthate do not. So that is one of the negatives of, of sustenance. So Rick, I'll let you jump in here. You, you have a lot of experience with sustenance. Can you tell them what you think about it? Yeah, I was lucky enough to use uh, sustenance amps when they were legit human grade and you know, you, you could get them, get them from Pharmacia. Uh, when it comes to sustenance, I personally find it to be more expensive than just straight uh, testosterone. It's uh, way more expensive and I'm not sure the benefits are all there. I don't really, I couldn't really then tell you what a, what the benefit is from sustenance over just regular uh, anatomy or even just prop. You know, you'll have to inject the prop more often, but even when you take sustenance to really uh, take full advantage of it, you'd want to inject it every three days so that you're taking advantage of the shorter rester anyway. Is it a good testosterone preparation? Yeah, it's as good as any. I just find it to be more expensive than just a straight ester. And I don't really, don't really see the benefit, to be quite honest with you, for, for paying more and, and for having the four esters in there. Just, I just find it unnecessary. I don't see why you would, you would need four esters. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, um, I mean, I, I used it when it was around. Great, human great, loved it. Uh, nowadays, um, it'll be the same, you know, it'll be an underground stuff now anyway. Why pay the extra money to have four esters of testosterone in one bottle when you could just, I'm sure, save some money and only have one straight ester? Yeah, really, the reason they came up with it was the idea behind it was you have four different esters, you have a short ester, an intermediate ester, and two long esters. So you basically inject a large amount infrequently so the way they do it in britain with trt is guys will inject sustenance like 250 milligrams of sustenance which is one milliliter every two weeks so that comes out 125 milligrams a week and you inject it and that short ester you start feeling it within a few days then the next ester kind of takes over the next extra takes over and so on so kind of the, each ester picks up after each other so you can inject it once every two weeks but if you're running like an eight-week, 10-week, 12-week cycle, there's no point in doing that because if you're injecting every two weeks, you're basically injecting it six times. <laughs> so like Rick said, it's kind of silly. So in that situation, you'd, you'd want to run it, like Rick said, every three or four days, inject it twice a week so you get it built up in your system quicker that way. So really, sustenance, you know, with the post-injection pain and stuff, unless you're planning on running like cruising long-term and you, for some reason you like sustenance, that would be the one reason to use it because you just pin the thing once every two weeks and be done, you'd be good to go. Pin one milliliter once every two weeks, twice a month, you're good to go for the year. So that, that would make sense. But if you're running a cycle, like Rick said, there's no point. Might as well just run E or SIP, you know, and, and those are cheaper and they, they don't give you post-injection pain. So th those, you know, that sums it up, guys. But sustenance is nothing special. And a lot of underground labs now are coming out with other ester blends for testosterone. I've seen all kinds of different blends. And look, at the end of the day, test is test. So it's not going to mean shit. As long as it's good quality gear, that's the number one thing you should look for, guys. Good quality. Whether if it's sustenance, e-sip, propionate, whatever. Got to go for the good quality, and that will make the difference. Absolutely. That's the whole point. You know, this is a podcast for steroid users. Um, and look, for TRT, 
Yeah, it does have its merits. Four esters for TRT does have its merits. Like I can go into the doctor's office, get a shot in the morning. Um, probably that same night, he'll start to feel a little tingle. Next day or so, he'll feel more. And yeah, it, you know, even if you have a long ester or a short ester, uh, the, the, they usually peak in a very short uh, window span. So if you gave a guy 250 milligrams of, let's say, the uh, the cannulate ester, which is the longer one, it would still peak in the middle in, in a little three to four day span. So when you add the other esters, you have four uh, peaks that are coming in one after the other. And if all you're doing is one or two amps of sustenance per month, yeah, I mean, it, it helps, it works, that's what you need. But if you're doing a cycle and you're doing, you know, 500, you're doing two amps a week of sust, man, just save some money and, and do you know, two, uh, 500 milligrams a week of just anatinate or just get a uh, propionate and do prop every, every other day, you know, that save some money that way. And, and that's it. You know, just for the regular steroid user, it no sense in, in having four esters. All right, guys. So next topic is acne on steroids. We got a top, we got a, someone asking about this every day on the forum. It's horrible. Acne can ruin people's lives. I know people, they, they're scared to even, have a social life because of their acne both both male and females it sucks and I, I feel bad for people i'm not someone who who's prone to acne so um but i can remember in high school getting a zit you wake up in the morning um you know and you're um meeting your girlfriend in the at school that morning you got a fucking zit on your limp or something it sucks you know it's like holy shit that's like the biggest stress when you're a teenager so i can't imagine uh dealing with acne as an adult Rick, what do you think is a good strategy for dealing with acne on steroids? Why, why do people get acne on steroids and what's a strategy for um, attacking it? Well, all kinds of different things. You know, your hormone balances change um, how much uh, oil you, your skin produces and also the makeup of what's coming out of your pores uh, changes some too. It's, you know, it's real easy to, to have uh, pores uh, become infected and and inflamed and have real bad acne. What I found for uh, steroid acne helps me is a tanning bed or just regular sun uh, a couple times a week, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the pool, funny enough, I think just being dipped in chlorine, <laughs> it somehow helps. And sometimes when, you, when I get like really kind of bad acne that's a little bit kind of cysty a little bit, it doesn't, doesn't want to run its course and go away. Uh, 10 days of antibiotics uh, tends to dry up my skin pretty good too. Not every cycle has given me acne. It, it, I've noticed it has a lot to do also with my diet. When I'm eating real clean, uh, when I'm you know, drinking my liquid chlorophyll, when I'm taking and drinking enough liquids, it seems that my skin behaves a lot better uh, on the steroids than when I'm not really doing those things. So, so diet and what you put in your body is also really important. But yeah, man, uh, antibiotics uh, help if, if it's really kind of cysty and, and it's kind of under the skin a little bit. Antibiotics will dry most of that stuff up. And just nice tanning bed, sun, and the pool. I, I don't know if the pool is a combination of the sun and the chlorine, but I've been able to do tanning bed and, and just do laps in the pool and my gym. I feel like it, it helps my skin a lot. Washing your skin and keeping it clean is, is fine, is great. But if you overdo it on, on the soaps and the skin treatments and all that, you might 
you might end up having a, a worse situation than you started off with. So it's, it's, yeah, it's key. It's good to keep your skin clean and wash it with soap and whatnot. And maybe a little loofah once in a while, but don't, don't overdo that because you will, you know, you'll end up messing your skin up too. that. Yeah. I got a problem with ingrown hairs. Um, and for me, what helps, which is a type of skin issue. And I got, um, issues with that but what helps with ocean swimming and the salt water really seems to dry things out and really make it a lot easier on myself because i get those ingrown hairs and then they get kind of get infected and um it becomes a big big hassle um it, it's pretty much just like having acne on my skin so that seems to work for me i mean every person i, I know has acne they have some type of strategy to to, to dealing with so i, I Look, I feel for you guys, but you guys have to experiment with different strategies, whether it be our suggestions or trying something else. Um, there are ways to kind of fight it. But at the end of the day, you use steroids. The acne is prone to blow up, especially steroids that seem to affect estrogen and that are androgenic. So try to stick to the more mild steroids. And then also when you come off steroids, again your hormones kind of go fluctuate. So you want to make sure you have a good PCT after cycle. So you want to make sure you're running your N2 generate. The N2 generate will help balance your hormones after cycle. So you don't just crash. You start taking these serms and the serms actually cause your hormones to roller coaster as well. We have a lot of people complain when they run Clomid or Novadex during PCT, that's where their acne blows up. And I tell them all the time, you guys should never overdose on your serms because that can screw you up. Also overdosing on your AI, your aromacitor, your ADEX, your aromatase inhibitors, that can flare up your acne as well, or if you're not running enough of them. So you wanna make sure everything's balanced as much as you can and don't crash when you come off cycle. And that will help tremendously prevent those hormonal fluctuations, which seem to trigger the acne. And hopefully you grow out of it. Rick and I were talking about it um, on the pre-show, but it seems like on the forums, 90% of guys who have acne issues are younger, like 20, 25, even 30. And then once you get older, you seem to grow out of it. So hopefully you grow out of it. Yeah, I think the acne also becomes a, a barrier, a, a filter of waste for some guys. There's some guys who just can't handle the steroids. It makes their acne blare up. And then they'll, they'll end up going away and never using again because they couldn't uh, manage their acne on steroids. And they're guys that use a ton of stuff and never have skin issues. Just like they're guys who use steroids and never lose their hair. And then they're guys who use a little bit and shed, you know, shed hair. Uh, it becomes a thing. It becomes a filter. Some people, you know, you'll find a lot of guys in, in their 30s, 40s that are still using steroids from when they were young. Those are the guys who could usually handle the side effects the most. They didn't get turned up to the lifestyle because uh, the side effects were unmanageable. All right, guys. So our next topic is Clen. We talk a lot about Clen. Over the years, it was um, Clen Butrol was popularized by celebrities. Britney Spears, for example, um, she talked about using it. Some other celebrities as well, singers and actresses and stuff. Um, is is Clen Butrol really something you want to have in your arsenal to help you lose fat? I've used it twice before, guys. Let me just tell you my experience with it. Um, I ran 40 micrograms and then I hiked the, it by 20 micrograms after like two or th every two, three days. So I got to about 120 micrograms and I'll tell you the side effects. I was getting shaky hands during the day, shaky hands. 
I was getting heartburn. I never get heartburn. I was getting heartburn on it. I was um, feeling like I, like if I tried to do cardio, my endurance was shot. So, you know, I really think it seemed like also my blood pressure was up. It, it seems like it's just a nasty, nasty drug. And I used it twice. Um, and honestly, I, it really didn't do anything positive for me. I didn't notice uh, fat loss. I didn't notice shit on it. And I threw it away. And then the second time I used it, same thing. And then I ended up throwing it away. I said, I'm never touching this shit again. So that's been my experience with it, guys. I think most guys would agree with that. Um, there are some guys who react well to it, but it's a pretty shitty steroid. What, what's your, it's, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not a steroid. It's actually a drug, but it's a pretty shitty ass drug. What's your experience with it, Rick? I've used Clen a couple of times and albuterol. I don't think it made me get that much leaner. I think my diet is what helped me get leaner. It did give me a pick me up and it maybe helped me curb my appetite a little bit. That's about it. I don't think, uh, I don't think it's worth it. And look, I tell people they don't need stimulants and you shouldn't use stimulants to lose weight. At their best, they're just giving you a little bit of, a, of energy and carving your appetite. Two things which you can manage with maybe a little bit of caffeine or a lot of bit of caffeine. And if you take up the lifestyle of intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, then you won't feel hungry anymore. You're able to diet. And look, I sell stimulant-based fat burners and through my brand, through Heat to Build Muscle. Although I sell them because people want them, I don't really use them much myself. Once in a while, I use them as a little pick-me-up here and there. But I just think a little bit of caffeine or a lot of bit of caffeine will keep you up, will keep you energetic, even as you're dieting down and really cutting back on those calories. When it comes to curving your appetite, I think the absolute very best thing for, for appetite suppression is to take up the lifestyle of uh, time-restricted eating, uh, intermittent fasting, kill the hunger, no, don't be hungry every three hours, and, and, and that's it. And you could, you could do that naturally without uh, really stacking on uh, stuff like Clan and Albuterol, which I think Clan is probably going to, if you abuse it long enough, it'll enlarge your heart when maybe testosterone wouldn't. I think if you, if you use Clenbuterol long enough, on most folks, it, it might just enlarge your heart. And maybe you could have done better dieting and be more strict with your eating and then a little bit of testosterone gotten yes just as lean and not put other parts of your health, of your health at risk so i personally don't think i think it's not it's an outdated drug i don't think it's worth it and i just don't see a place for it i don't see a place for it in, in bodybuilding today really to be honest with you i got the exact same side effects too on albuterol because i use albuterol as well and it just seemed like they both kind of mirror each other, which they do. They're both originally like asthma medication. They've never been FDA approved though in the United States for that purpose, just in Europe. Keep that in mind. But um, it seems to not be something a lot of people use. What I, what I like for fat burning, if you, wanna, if you want my honest opinion, is stacking Intuslin and Carterine. Those two, what I like about those two, they're not stimulants. They're not gonna fuck with your hormones. And they're very, very safe. There's virtually no side effects. And those are fantastic. You can use the carnivore once a day and the Entuslim before your meals. And that will kind of block the, the fat from being stored um, using that Entuslim because it has a, a lot of ingredients, including bergerin, which um, is a very, very 
you know, not known supplement. And that's it, people, more people should know about it as well. All these, um, um, supplements that are in, and in, in, insulin all help block fat, all help, um, raise insulin sensitivity. So you're not, um, storing fat and, and, and intermittent fasting does that as well. Intermittent fasting is, is a beautiful thing. If you have appetite issues and a lot of people do, you feel like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you got to eat something, you're hungry, you're starving. If you just fast, just drink a lot of water, just fast for the day. You won't get that nonstop. I got to eat. I got to eat. But once you wake up and eat a meal right off the bat, you're going to want to eat every two hours, every two hours, every two hours, every two hours. But if you just fast, and just get used to, to doing that, make that a habit. You won't even get hungry till later in the day. And then you can kind of eat in a window and it's not that, that you're eating in a window and restricting calories that ma makes intermittent fasting work. It's that lack of insulin that's being spiked because you wake up in the morning, you eat, you spike your insulin. Two hours later, you eat again, you spike your insulin, spike your insulin, spike your insulin. How are you going to burn fat that way? You're not. And you just keep eating, eating, eating. So that's why intermittent fasting works, guys. It's it definitely it's great for, um, you know, your hormonal levels when it comes to insulin and glucagon. And look, a lot of guys like those stimulants. Girls too love those stimulants for fat loss. I sell them. I, I make up two very strong, really good formulas for fat loss. And I, I make sure that the formulas aren't just stimulants um, with appetite suppressants, but they actually have other things in there to help you uh, lose fat and be more effective. But if you want something that's going to be stimmy and get you up and, and kill appetite, just use either of my two products, either Entuberm or Lipofit. Both of those will work. They're both strong stimulants and suppress appetite. And they also have other things in there to help, help you lose fat. Now, uh, if you want to go the non-stim route, from my store, right? If you want to go non-stim, Entuslin, like Steve mentioned, T3 PCT, to keep your thyroid uh, working up to speed, and also um, your Hemflame, your Hemflame ES for spot reduction. Those three are, are really good, and you won't be taking any stims. The your Hemflame will give you a tiny bit of a buzz. It'll you'll know you you rub a stimulant on your skin, but. It's not like a pre-workout or, or a regular fat burner. It's very, very mild. But uh, those three, man, those three are really good non-stim. And then, yeah, you could stack something like cauterine on top of that if you, if you get good quality cauterine and good diet plan. And, man, you're going to be uh, looking really tight, really shredded really soon. Yeah, I use those three. Johan Flame, what I do with Johan Flame, I spray it on my stomach. We all want to show our abs, right? Straight that shit on my stomach. Then I do my go, go do my cardio. I let it dry. Then I go do my cardio. And yeah, you can feel that burn on your, on your stomach. It's fantastic. So really, really good suggestion there, Rick. Our last topic is should I still lift? Even if I have a cold or flu, should I stay on cycle? We get this question a lot too on the forums because guys will be in the middle of the cycle. You know, they got this workout program all planned out. And then halfway through, they get hit with the flu, they get hit with a cold, they get hit with a sinus infection. So what are some, you know, what do you do in this situation? So Rick, let me, let me get you get in here um, on this one. This is, this is one we could talk a whole show on, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. What have you done in the past when this has come up? Okay, if it's just a, a cold or a flu, just um, don't take any orals. You want your liver, you want to, your liver nice and uh, healthy. So maybe you can take some, some cold medications, right? Also don't inject anymore. 
every so often when you inject, you'll, you'll feel a little bit of solvent kind of that you're breathing out. That's usually when you inject uh, just, you know, testosterone, DECA, whatever. Every once in a while, you, you'll feel like you're breathing out a little bit of solvent. That's a little droplet of steroids that got into a capillary and just made its way up to your lungs. If it was Trenbolone, you get Trenkov. And I, I just couldn't imagine Trenkov being pleasant at all when you have already a respiratory infection or, or something there that's bothering you. So no more injections, no more orals until you know, you're not sick anymore and then you could jump right back on your cycle. If you have uh, something different, like a, an injury, like elbow, shoulder, knee, something along those lines, I guess you can just drop dosages a little bit if you're not going to be able to be in the gym as much. Um, it should, uh, if anything, it might help a little bit. And then just cycle off if, you, if your injury is going to keep you out of the gym for a while. But um, so if, if you have a, if you're sick, cold, anything like that, just pause it. Pause everything and then pick up where you left off. It should only last a week, 10 days, right? If you have something longer, an injury that you know is going to keep you out of the out of the gym for a while, just cycle down, cycle down, PCT off, blood tests, and, uh, and go. It's the best way to do it, in my opinion. What do you think, Steve? I like to, when I'm running steroids, I like to just be all in. I like to be 100%, you know, not have any type of physical ailment bothering me or whatever. So when something hits in the middle of a cycle, that really, really sucks. Sometimes, you know, the best thing to do is just to stop. Because you're going to get your body back, back in the uh, swing of things. Now, let's say you have the flu or a cold or something, a virus. Look at Sam Darnold, New York Jets, franchise quarterback, making millions of dollars. You know what they did to him? They told him, you got to stay home, buddy. You're not even allowed in the facility for two weeks. We don't want our other players getting mono. And mono's not even spread through the air. Mono's spread through liquids, through, you know, um, through saliva. And they still told him to stay home. So if they're telling him as a million-dollar quarterback to stay home, what do you think you should do if you get a cold or a flu, which is transferable and contagious by air? You should definitely, you know, not be spreading that shit at your gym either. So, you know, that's, that really helps. But also you got to think about it this way. You're hurting yourself because when you have a viral infection, you go to the gym, you're going to be exposed to more viruses and more bacteria. And that's going to put a tremendous strain on your immune system. And you could end up basically that little viral infection could end up turning into a bacterial infection, a much more major chest sinus infection, your sinuses or your chest, chest infection. So you want to be smart guys. What I do when I'm sick is I like to just let my body rest. Okay. Just like any animal in nature, when they get sick, they get injured, they rest. I like to fast because when you fast, you, you don't, you, all that energy your body uses to digest food now can, you can, it can use it to destroy whatever the ailment is, whether it's a physical injury or a cold flu. So that, that's what I do when I, um, uh, uh, two weeks ago, this happened to me. I started getting a little cold. My, um, right here, my, um, started getting a little inflammation in my uh, neck area. So my, um, you know, I started getting that like scratchy throat so I could feel a cold coming on. So you know what I did? I stopped going to the gym. I stopped eating. I just drank water. I did a water fast. I said, I'm going to take do a water fast until this is gone. Three days later, it was gone and I haven't been sick since. So just, just letting your body rest is a tremendous thing to do guys. And yes, steroids, when you use steroids and you're sick or you have an injury, 
they do increase inflammation. So if you're especially using a more harsh steroid, like Tren or a lot of testosterone or Anadrol, very, very harsh steroids, they cause so much inflammation in the body that it actually will prevent your body from, from recovering as fast. So it can delay recovery. So you want to keep that in mind. But if you're running like Primo or EQ or low dose of testosterone, something light like that T-Bowl, you could probably stay on and do a fast and eliminate you know, the cold or flu. And then you can just ramp up your dosage back again. So you don't have to stop your cycle in that particular situation. So it really depends on what you're running and what exactly is going on with you. If you've got like elbow and knee issues and you got joint issues, you got some type of tendonitis in your, in your, you know, in your joints, you don't want to be running Winstrol or Mastron, things like that, that dry you out because that's just going to strain your uh, joints more. So you just, it just depends on the situation, guys. You really got to be smart. And um, remember, you know, it's not the end of the world if you have to take time off from the gym or have to stop your cycle or reduce the steroids you're taking or something. You're not, your muscles aren't going to disappear. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back to move two steps forward. It's not the end of the world. So don't be afraid. It's not weak to, to it doesn't make you a man, it doesn't make you strong to have the flu and be coughing up yellow shit and then go to the gym and it will still work out. It doesn't make you a man. It makes you stupid. So that, that's my position on it. Anything else to add to Rick? Yeah, man, I agree. I, too many folks out there worried about, you know, not touching germs and, you know, hand sanitizers and not touching germs. Well, how about you worry about not putting your germs on the stuff other people are going to touch? If you're sick, if you're fighting something, stay the hell home. Cover your mouth when you cough. You just really respect other folks. I think this is disrespectful. I think it's just not uh, not being a good citizen to be sick. And, and you know you're spreading it um, and you're still out there, you know, touching equipment and snotting around. It's just not not the right thing to do. So totally agree. You know, stay, stay the hell home and don't get other people sick. Yeah, one other tip, guys. Colloidal silver works fantastic for me. And um, it's something that you can buy from a health food store. And that is something that I will take during a sickness. And that will kind of, that will help boost my immune system. It's a, it's a very, very powerful mineral. Um, and that, that seems to help. I mean, it's, it seems to be like a magic potion for me. And I always take it if I'm going on a trip in an airplane or a movie theater or something where I'm going to be around a lot of sick people. That, that's a good option to take too. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening to this show, Evolution.org podcast. Send in your questions, guys. Hit me up on the forum, Steve SMI. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, Rick. Hey, have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Good night.